welcome to Old Movies for Young Stoners, the podcast that pairs classic and cult films of the past with the right strain of cannabis to enhance your personal trip through cinema history. This week, we are losing our grip on reality with the bizarro Czech new wave craziness of Valerie and her Week of Wonders and Federico Fellini's haunting and dreamlike Juliet of the Spirits. All right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners. And we are back on Old Movies for Young Stoners, available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we now have our very own YouTube channel where each episode is enhanced with copious amounts of public domain stock footage, just like an Ed Wood movie. Please find us on these platforms and subscribe today. I am Bob Calhoun, your cruise director on this fantastic voyage through weed and moviedom, and the author of The Murders That Made Us, a true crime history of San Francisco, and the punk wrestling memoir, Beer, Blood, and Cornmeal, both available from ECW Press of Toronto. Ask for them at your favorite indie bookstore today. And joining me, he is our resident bud tender, your weed sommelier, if you will, Plus, he is your guide on the Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour, a walking tour visiting the final resting places of some of punk and goth's biggest legends. Let's hear it for Corey Sklar. Thank you, thank you. Oh, you're too kind. Keep it down, everybody. Keep it down. You can find out how to book your Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour by going to Punk Rock Graveyard Tour on Instagram. And she is the latest addition to the old movies for Young Stoners crew. She is an actor and voice talent with several film and television credits to her name, including the animated series Lizzie, the NBC medical drama The Night Shift, and she'll be appearing in Chippendale Rescue Rangers, coming soon to Disney+. Plus. She is Felina Franklin. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> uh, I am the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, you're already overtaking our last episode in the ratings here. And, you know, hey, uh, Belgium, you know, Brussels, Belgium, Canberra, Australia are listening. We're getting some play in Montreal, Canada. Ooh, shout out to the Canadians. Four plays in Cincinnati. Cincinnati <laughs> coming on strong. Oh, man. Hi, everybody in Cincinnati. Thanks for listening. I love your chili. It is that chili, you know, it's got it's, cho- lots it's of chocolate and cinnamon in it. Cloves, what? lots of oh, cloves. Felina, it's, what? They, they, have, they make chocolate chili and they put it on spaghetti, if you could believe that in Cincinnati. Oh, I'm shook to my core right now. Oh, no, your dad, because see, he's a vegetarian, as I assume you are. I am. Uh, Greg Franklin. Greg Franklin is on assignment this week, by the way. He's on assignment. He's looking for those old movies for Stoner yeah, to watch. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, he wanted a Soviet film, and I'm like, can we please take a break from this for a while? I have, I can't deal with the pronunciations. Um, anyway, uh, he's on assignment. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's a black bean version of it without meat. Like the, the classic uh, yes. Cincinnati chili is like, it's a bunch of spaghetti and then there's like either beans or no beans and then a bunch of like ground beef with lots of cloves and cinnamon. It's like a Greek flavor, kind of Greek flavored thing. And then wow. a bunch of like cheddar cheese on it. Mild cheddar cheese, not sharp, mild. 
Oh, okay. And Damn. So there's a version with where you could just hold the beef and have the black beans, and that is like soul food for your dad. Hell yeah. Oh my god, that sounds so good. I'm not usually a chili person. I'm not like, I feel like chili for me is just like a little bit too chunky. <laughs> um <laughs> But um, that sounds so. I need to try a chocolate chili like now. Actually, all right, we're gonna have a podcast meet up <laughs> in Cincinnati with our four listeners there. Yes. We're gonna eat some skyline chili. I cannot wait. I I am a chili guy. I just want to bathe in the stuff. I love chili, and it is a chili dog summer. So everyone, get your <gasps> chili dogs ready to go. Hot chili summer. <laughs> all right, Bob. I have a question for you. This week, a movie came out, and it seemed to just go into theaters and disappear as quickly as it came. Uh, People were talking about it for maybe a day, and now people aren't talking about it at all. And this movie is called Morbius, starring Jared Leto. Now, everyone, listeners out there, Bob's kind of a Silver Age comic guy. Bob, who the hell is Morbius? Did you see this movie? And what's the deal with this bullshit? Okay, (laughs) They're, they're at the point in the Marvel movies now um probably the dc movies too but they're definitely at the point with the marvel movies where they're really kind of scraping like weird shit that i never thought they would get around to making a movie out of where morbius okay morbius is a spider-man villain he is the living vampire which means he's not an undead supernatural creature he's like a sci-fi vampire he's like a scientist who goes into space and comes back this kind of vampire creature and he fucks with spider-man in the 70s and (laughs) you know and he eventually has his own comic for a while and he scraps with the marvel dracula like you know i guess hey you're not you're a poser vampire you know it's Uh like no sci-fi vampires in the supernatural vampire club i mean as a kid like these these characters were really cool i mean the eternals is like a is like kind of a failed Jack Kirby comic. And and I never thought they would get around to making that into a movie, but they botched the Inhumans and they didn't have the X-Men yet. So they're looking for a group of super-powered outcasts. And so they finally got to like, I think that comic lasted 18 issues. And <laughs> and uh, Morbius had his own book for a while, but he's mostly like a villain, a Spider-Man villain. It would be like making a green goblin movie but i can think like that might have a little more stretch than morbius and then you could have willem well it's getting it's getting terrible reviews yeah and and it's starring the most unlikable guy in hollywood you know think of if think of if will smith hit jared leto like would that would have been amazing we would all have his poster on our wall i would have watched all his old movies again we haven't we haven't met up since the slap happened and yeah. I, I just want to get not to everyone's been talked about, talked about, but I think it was a good thing. I think shit like that should always go down on the Oscars. And uh, I don't know why people are like, you know, more moralizing about it. And, you know, it, it, it's it, if something happens on the Oscars, we should all celebrate it. Anything. It's such a boring <laughs> fucking ceremony. You know what I mean? Did you Sorry. see that one tweet? Uh, like, uh, I think it's uh, like a friend of yours or somebody you follow who tweeted the uh, the fight between Robert Ryan and John Wayne, where they like Robert Ryan like tackled John Wayne, like John Wayne called Robert Ryan's girlfriend a commie, and uh, Robert Ryan tackled him out of play <laughs> class. No, I didn't see that. Restaurant. Did that happen at the, during the Oscars? No, it just happened oh, in some Hollywood rest, uh, Musso and Franks <laughs> or something, you know. And yeah. I, I would not want to fight Robert Ryan. By the way, no. I, I mean, Duke had John Wayne had hands the size of ham, canned ham. So I mean, 
he wasn't, you know, he was, he could be formidable, but Robert Ryan's this kind of wiry, lean cat-like guy who always looks pissed off. Like those are the guys you don't really want to scrap with. In true old movies for young stoners fashion, when we talk about the Will Smith slap, it ends up being a discussion of Robert Ryan and John Wayne's hands. (laughs) Yeah. And a couple of announcements uh, we'd like to make before we get into our first movie. Chucky the Funk Wizard, the recording artist behind the old movies for young stoners theme song, is coming to the Guild Theater in Menlo Park, California on Saturday, May 7th, where he'll be opening for Berlin. Of Top Gun fame. This show is sure to take your breath away, but get there early. Doors open at seven because it is Menlo Park. And I'll be there (laughs) because the Guild Theater is where I saw Clash of the Titans. Go to guildtheater.com for tickets and info. And that's theater with a T-R-E at the end. The proper way. Yeah, the proper way. So is Clash of the Titans starring Harry Hamlin? Yes. Oh, I love him on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> it's the last it's the last uh Harryhausen movie. Oh, Harry Hamlin, yeah. Harryhausen. Yeah, yeah, we're getting to Harryhausen later, you know. Not I'm excited. Time. Yes, that's so cool. Um definitely old movies for stoners that I have not seen. And I just want to put a disclaimer out there. I want everyone to know that I'm coming into a lot of these movies blind here. Um and I make a point not to look up anything about these movies before or during when I'm watching them. I don't read the Wikipedias. I'm not reading Roger Ebert reviews. So I'm kind of coming in blind on this. So if I sound um, ignorant or naive when I discuss these movies, that's why. But I think it's more pure viewing experience. That's all. Now, we don't want to go back to the 90s, Corey. I'm, I'm handling the mansplaining. I'm doing all the research. It's what I do. And if we had all these guys doing it, then it's like one of those conversations that I've been a part of way too much. And I've I've created these situations where it's a bunch of people trying to outmansplain each other. We don't really want to do that. No, I like that. I don't know anything about cinema. No, it sounds (laughs) uh, it's it's better this way because we get an honest assessment of how the movie made you feel, which Roger Ebert, not to, you know, uh, one of his best pieces of advice like when he first started writing movie criticism was that you write about, you don't have to know everything about the filmmaker and about their history and about what went on before you need to walk into the movie and just write about how that movie made you feel. We at old movies for young stoners really want to hear from you. You can email us at old movies for young stoners at gmail.com. That's old movies for young stoners at gmail. All one word, no numbers in there. And you can join our four followers on Instagram at Old Movies for Young Stoners. In approaching Valerie and the Week of Wonders, it's quite difficult to know whether you should say this is a horror film, this is a fantasy film, this is a soft porn film this is an art film because it's not really any of those things and in some ways it's all of those things for our first film we have valerie in a week of wonders a phantasmagoric treasure from the czech new wave that blends gothic horror 
fairy tale imagery, art house expressionism, and a pinch of softcore porn into a mad fever dream where young Valerie experiences the first signs of womanhood and is quickly plagued by pervy priests, grotesque vampires who may or may not be long lost family members, and religious zealots who would burn her at the stake. Luckily, Valerie has a pair of magic earrings, but will these charms be enough to survive her fraught journey into adulthood? Corey, this film's your pick. Can you tell us something about it? Well, I picked this movie because I've never seen it and I wanted to see it and it seemed really trippy. Uh, It is 1970, which is probably a little too late for this show. Maybe that should be the cutoff year for old movies for young stoners. I don't know. It seems pretty modern and, you know, I want to see some uh, black and white grandpa movies for this show. But we watched it and this movie is really, really weird. I was trying to figure out what it was about. Okay, it's this young girl. She has magic earrings. It's very European. There's people, you know, parading around to oompa music in like old Victorian clothes and stuff. But then it gets uh, really crazy and there's really scary monsters in this movie. And after a while, I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to try to follow the plot. I'm just going to let this uh, dreamlike world wash over me. Because I don't think it's really about the plot. It's, a, it's, it's just about how the images make you feel, right? There's a lot of sex perverts in this movie. But I don't feel like this movie is sexy in any way. I'll say this movie is about a young girl discovering like that adults are sex perverts and gross. Um, and they're very much portrayed, adults are very much portrayed as monsters in this movie, and they're very scary. Um, there's old people who are like sucking the energy off of young people and becoming young, and it's all very trippy. But I will say, the music is super tight in this movie. It's almost like prog rock. The makeup and the costumes are legitimately scary. The set design is really, really freaky. It's essentially an Alice in Wonderland story. With some hippy dippy trippy European uh, sex vampires, um, there's orgies with oompa music in it. But I don't know. Oh, it's, check this out. This movie is right at the sweet spot. It's 76 minutes, baby. So you could jump in and watch this stuff. Yet it has a very bizarre pace that kind of gets boring for a little bit. It's like even though it's so short, it does tend to drag because of its weird pace. But it's over soon. I like this movie a lot, and this is a movie that could never be made today because the star of the movie is 13, I believe. So, you know, the whole grooming debate would definitely come into play here, GOP. That being said, like I was saying before, I I, I don't feel like this movie is exploitive at all because it's not horny. It's about sex. It's about sex perverts, but it's definitely not sexy or horny, and I didn't feel... Like, it was really sexualizing uh, these situations. It was more grotesque to me. And I think it's okay to make movies about that because the world is a beautiful, amazing, magical place full of disgusting sex perverts, you know? And I think that what that's what this movie is really about. Uh, but yeah, the, the makeup, the imagery is all super tight in this movie. I think it's essential viewing for people that are into really crazy surrealist stuff. If you're into like the Japanese horror movie, Haosu, or if you're into Alejandro Jodorowsky, uh, I say that this is essential viewing. Felina, what did you think of Valerie and her week of wonders? Um, so I, uh, 
yeah, I also went into this blind. I had no idea at all what what Valerie's week of wonders would look like. Um, and I don't know if her week was very wonderful. Um, <laughs> so viewing this was, I might have, I might have smoked the wrong strain of weed, but I got freaked out. <laughs> I got, like, this movie is scary. Like, legitimately scary. Oh, my God. That, the main guy, the polecat guy. The constable. Constable. Who who might be her dad? I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. Or her grandfather. (laughs) Her what? (laughs) I didn't know that. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. No. It was very, it was, it was a very shocking visually. Um, but it was very beautiful. I think, uh. I I don't know if I told you guys this, but I've looked up every movie on TikTok to see what if there's any like fan edits or like see if there's any comments and I do Thank you for doing the work. That is the work right there. (laughs) (laughs) That is the thing that my fifty plus year old brain would never go to. So so I like there's a couple of comments that I think are very funny. Um like zero zero xd says this movie is a no no (laughs) exclamation point this person who made that movie is sus because every character in this movie touches her too much and the camera angles dot 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 so i agree (laughs) a little bit i mean it's not sus i think it's just you know it's it's just uh you know it's a little it's a little creepy in that way um it might be though because i'm young and i'm like kind of i see i am very like see from her perspective like how spooky i don't know it just Mm -hmm. it kind of freaked me out this movie yeah the problem with both these movies that we're going to talk about today is that they're directed by men right yes and (laughs) and (laughs) and as great as they are like they're really trying to tell the story i I can't relate to valerie at all except Mm -hmm. that i know that the world is ugly and full of sex monsters (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think i think it's it's it shouldn't be as troubling as this movie is in a modern lens it shouldn't be dismissed you know what i mean i don't think it should be dismissed as um oh that's just a that's just a movie made by a pervert like it is mm-hmm. quite uh mm-hmm. a artistic achievement yes oh, maybe how much of it is our american lens on it too because like here we you know, women's breasts aren't shown in public because we're we come from puritans or you know that's what the country comes from that in Europe, like women topless is not really a thing. So we might be assigning, I mean, it's definitely a pervy movie and it's about basically Valerie. She has her period, which is symbolized by blood that looks like strawberry syrup hitting a daisy, a white daisy. And then everybody in the whole town is trying to fuck her. And uh, that is not, (laughs) it would have been better if it was addressed by a woman filmmaker, you you know, it would have definitely been better at that, but this is not a, uh, this is something that happens in life and something terrible that happens in life. And the movie does portray it as a terrible thing because most of the people who are trying to do this are pederast priests, you know, which that's probably, it might be the first movie to call that one out in a big way. 
and uh and also you know vampires and family members it's about grooming really it is and, and wait is, is valerie like i just hit me like she like maybe this like fantastic fairy tale that she's going through is like her way of dealing and processing all the bullshit going on in her life right oh my god what a movie <laughs> that's what little red riding hood is about i mean that's what a lot of folk tales and fairy tales are about i mean little red riding hood she has become a woman and she's wearing she's wearing the red to symbolize that she has gotten her first period and has been through this and then you know the wolf takes over her you know it's very much the same like the wolf is posing as a grandparent felina then- do, you, do you think this movie was a dream so okay no (laughs) here's the thing um when i my perspective of it like when we when i watched i watched uh the other movie first uh juliet of the spirits first and in my head that one was like oh that's a dream but then when i got to this one i was like this is all reality this is everything is real and i don't know why i thought that it just felt to me it just didn't feel as dreamlike it felt very like literal you know (laughs) i I mean the other taboo in this movie that was quite shocking besides the um you know jewel or valerie being so young is Mm -hmm. there's a lot of incest in this movie i think right is that is she like is like her brother trying to do her and stuff is that who that guy is eglet Eglet. (laughs) (laughs) um I believe he was an actor. Yeah, they just they, they keep they keep talking. She keeps talking yeah. about how actors are coming to town, which yeah, I didn't really. I think that grasp. he was an actor. Okay, but also like if he is her brother, that's weird. Well, I mean, her grandma turns into her second cousin and then tries to either bite her or make out with her at one point too. I, I mean, I like that this is all like, we don't, we're not sure. I think it adds mm-hmm. to the film. Definitely. Like, was that her brother that she was just making mm-hmm. out with? Um, but I mean, talk about taboo. How often do you see incest so celebrated in a film? You know what I mean? Very I rarely. It, I don't think it is celebrated though. I think this not is the, these yet. terrors well, that she has to navigate. Um, that to me, that's what makes it more dreamlike though, is the way, we don't really know, you know, when you have a dream, sometimes like, oh, he's your grandfather, he's a cop, he's a constable, or he's not your grandfather, he's your father, or he's your father that turns into your grandfather that turns into a weasel, the polecat, and he's a vampire. Like, just the way it kind of go transfers from one thing to another. Although Eaglet, I will say, him saying, no, I'm not really your brother. I mean, he he seems like the most genuinely concerned about her character, the second most, but he's also still trying to exploit her. And the whole, I'm not really your brother, also kind of sounds like, you know, family get-togethers and then like, no, we're second cousins. It's okay. You know, it kind of <laughs> sounded like that level of, of family pederasty. The one positive relationship, that sexual relationship, that Valerie has is with uh, Hedvika, the uh, woman, like her friend, her older friend who gets married at the beginning of the movie. And she's married off to a rich, creepy old landowner that it's obvious, like when he's groping her and Valerie's seeing this, that it is not a good thing for 
Hedvika at all. Not a good thing for her at all. But then Valerie and Hedvika lie together. Who knows how far it really goes, but that is like the only like Valerie's able to cure her vampire because the vampires bite Hedvika and then Valerie Mm -hmm. is able to cure it. That the only even remotely, if we just take away the age differences and everything, the only remotely positive relationship that she has in the movie that is not you know that is not colored by vampirism and and zealotry and perversion at all or well maybe not perversion but pederast well it's still pederasty i don't know here we're going down a, we're on a slippery slope here but the only <laughs> remotely positive experience she has is 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 a lesbian relationship she's a bicon <laughs> what does that mean by icon oh by icon thank you she's a bi- <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. The symbolism in this movie is very apparent. Uh, Valerie is always in all white, very pure. Her room is completely white. Uh, the vampires are always all dressed in black. The cellars are so dark. There's a lot of gothic cellars in this movie that are really cool looking. And there's like crazy orgies going on in them. Um, there's orgies to like polka music, by the way. So if you've never seen an orgy put to polka music, please. And then, you know, of course the red, the blood, um, keep referring to this movie uh, as softcore porn in a way i didn't i don't i think this like i said before i don't think this movie is very horny or sexy even though it has to do with a lot with sex do you agree with me on that or not i i don't think it's very sexy no uh, it doesn't have it, it has no not, horny energy to the no the yet. energy is not horny. it's if anything it's like more scary than horny <laughs> yeah. um and i but but some people would argue that those things are like put together um scary and horny what did you think of the acting i thought valerie was a very good actor bob what's the name of the um actor playing valerie it's uh charislava shularava there are like added features to this movie that probably come from the dvd or blu-ray release that are on criterion channel and there's an interview with her and she was one of 1500 young girls who auditioned for it so she was just not an actor at the time i mean what a face her face looks amazing in this movie and her Mm -hmm. her whole presence i mean she really carries the movie but i think like everyone kind of does a really good job dealing with this crazy ass freaking script and like yeah the constable the guy the monster guy he's very he his faces are out of control like every single frame of this movie looks fucking crazy <laughs> jersey premek is the uh vampire constable polecat man <laughs> uh, who may be her grandfather or her dad or you know and he's yeah yeah and the um the grandma who turns into the second cousin vampire also very strong presence on screen like very cool yeah um, freaky mm. freaky stuff I want to talk a little bit about the Czech New Wave because um, what when you watch this movie, and I, I'm surprised this movie, and what's that uh, Soviet uh, witch movie that Greg Franklin wants to do eventually that's on v. Shutter? V. <gasps> v. Um, I'm surprised these movies exist because the um, Czechoslovakia, not the Czech Republic, it is one, two countries kind of combined into one after World War I, actually. Um, it is behind the Iron Curtain when this film is made and in 1964 we have the czech new wave in film which there's a liberal liberalization of czechoslovakia at the time 
and they're kind of they're not really breaking away from the soviet union but they are liberalizing and so from 1964 to 1968 you have these czech new wave films the most prominent director or the best remembered director to come out of it is milos foreman who directed amadeus and one flew over the cuckoo's nest he fled um, because in 1968 in august 1968 after the prague spring um the soviets sent the tanks in and they they basically crushed uh czechoslovakia's turn to liberalism and so that this movie came out in 1970 and it's considered the last of the czech new wave films and and it is uh you know it's amazing it came out but there's a thing where like v the soviets didn't consider folk tales to be threatening so you could say a lot of shit you know if you were making a movie you know where it takes place in the past and it's based on some old folk tale or has old folk tale themes then you could get away with more that the soviet censors wouldn't really pay attention to it the way they would if it was a contemporary drama as a lot of the other czech new wave films were and uh the director um i don't really know what happened to him juramil jeresh he also directed a movie uh, called the joke which is kind of topical goes back to what we were talking about earlier today where a person tells an offhanded joke at a party and gets in trouble with soviet authorities and communist authorities and that's on archive.org so i'm i want to watch that and uh but um yeah so yeah a lot of these people a lot of musicians like they had like the czech bob dylan or the czechoslovakian bob dylan and people they had to either flee or they were jailed uh, after the crackdown so and, and one last thing i watch i had to watch a lot of stuff about the fucking soviet tanks rolling in and their justification for it to the russian soldiers or the soviet soldiers at the time was that west german uh agitators had invaded uh the of czechoslovakia so it was the same thing they say about the nazis in ukraine it's similar has a, yeah. has a thorough a thread to what's going on in ukraine now it's it's a history repeating itself wow yeah and you know the the russian um military in ukraine now is destroying museums old art the ukrainian you know they're trying to destroy ukraine's history and um so it's important to preserve these things before uh, authoritar- authoritarian <laughs> governments destroy them. So I'm glad this movie exists for all its troubling mm-hmm. um, <laughs> for all its troubling backstory and all, all its all its troubling content. I'm glad this thing exists. And if there's any other movies this fucking crazy from the Czech New Wave, I cannot wait to check them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a movie called Daisies and Oh, the screenplay and production design is by Esther Krumbachava. And she did the, she did the, um, she was a co-writer of this movie and also Daisies and she did the production design. So a lot of the look of both films, she's, she's responsible as much as the directors of those films are. Wow. What, what an achievement on her part. Like what a visual stunner this movie is. I, I kind of wish every movie looked like this. <laughs> so, so we talk about the director being a man, but there is a woman screenwriter of Valerie in her Week of Wonders. So we should we should acknowledge that Good. that she's definitely a big force. And I, I, yeah, I didn't go down deeply enough in the rabbit hole to see if these people were jailed or if they were exiled. <laughs> you know, um, 
it's this movie like a lot of the scholarship on the Czech new wave didn't really talk about this movie much this movie's like a more recent discovery well i gotta imagine hippies watching this in 1970 tripped the fuck out you yeah. know what i'm saying i wonder if it was a midnight movie ever or if it how, how it came to the states at all maybe i don't know. i don't think it did until later i think if roger corman got a hold of it we would i would have seen it already because of this i hadn't seen this this is rare I will say, um, I, I don't know why, but there, when I did look this up on TikTok, there were a lot of people that were like recommending this movie. Lots of people that were like, really like it's, I would say it's a very, it's so beautiful that it's very like, it's very TikTokable. <laughs> yeah. It's completely. It's, yeah. Cause it's, um, it's got that like coquette, uh, aesthetic um that very like lana del put it to some lana del rey music oh this movie has so much lana del rey energy (laughs) i can't believe it yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) another comment was that someone couldn't find uh they they didn't have this movie in their region and someone said oh i'm manifesting it for you Yeah. Uh, so what weed would you recommend with this? Okay, well, I think you should get completely outer space blotsoed for these 76 minutes. So I recommend, when I just want to go to outer space, I recommend these pills, these little soft gel caps made by ABX. They cut, they look like they're an ibuprofen bottle, and they're 100 milligram, just straight THC pills. Uh, give me 45 minutes after I take one of those and I am done for the day and <laughs> I am in outer space and this is such a trippy movie. I want to just, I don't want to do mushrooms or acid. I just want to almost do mushrooms or acid. So I'd say take a hundred milligram pill or, you know, whatever your tolerance is. I know some fools that a hundred milligrams is what they do every day. That's fucking crazy. Me, I take a 100 milligrams like once a month when I just really want to escape this horrible world of sex perverts. So. I say take a hundred milligram pill uh, of ABX soft gel caplets. Felina, you said you smoked the wrong shit for this, right? <laughs> I think so. I, well, I <laughs> I think so because I I was smoking this indica I'd never smoked before called uh, platinum purple, um, and I I think I either got not high enough or like way too high because I was I was smoking like I had been smoking like all day. Um, and I just like, I just, I think I needed to either have not smoked earlier or I needed to just absolutely be way too dead to even realize, you know what I mean? Or am I not making sense? No, you're making sense. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I smoked platinum purple, um, flower. I, I think I I think I needed to be like fully like knocked fully on my ass. Um completely cuz I was still like leading forward like what is going what is happening? I think I just needed to sit back and be like just experience it. <laughs> just experience it all. Valerie and her Week of Wonders is now streaming on the Criterion channel. And if you're so inspired, you can find Juramil Juresh's short film Uncle there, which has some similar themes in its six minutes. His film The Joke, which I haven't watched yet but definitely want to, is streaming at archive.org. Juliet. Juliet. 
we're working on a bit of a theme here in this week's old movies for young stoners and valerie in her week of wonders we had a girl overcome by surreal and haunting visions as she enters adulthood in juliet of the spirits we have a woman overcome by surreal and haunting visions as she copes with the disillusionment of middle age but this movie comes from Il Maestro, Federico Fellini in 1965, and it stars his muse and wife, Giulietta Messina. Like the first film, we have ghosts, demonic possession, creepy nuns, and even the burning of heretics. But this time, it's all set to a jaunty Nino Rota score with Fellini's quirky sense of wonder. Uh, Fellina, Corey, have either of you seen this movie before? Uh, I have not seen this movie before. And in fact, this is my first ever Fellini film. Um, as you can tell, my name is loosely based off of <laughs> Fellini. Whoa, mind <laughs> well, not, blown. Not loosely. I mean, it, they found my name in a baby book and then it was like, oh, it's also kind of sounds like Fellini. Cool. Um <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is my first Fellini movie. <laughs> it's very fun. It's very beautiful. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was super long. I smoked probably like six times throughout, like consecutive, like trying to just keep getting high because my high kept, yeah, I kept coming down and I was like, no, I need to stay up. I need to stay up, up, up for this. And it just was not happening one of my favorite notes that i have written down is who the folk is gabriella um <laughs> i loved this movie i thought it was gorgeous my favorite part my absolute favorite part was uh when they met the intersex uh uh psychic who was wearing a white and oh it was just freaky and fun and cool I thought it was I thought it was a great movie to just put on e even if you weren't like fully listening to it. I thought the soundtrack, the music was incredible. But even if you weren't like fully listening to it, I the visuals just s stunning. Perfect. I I lo I lo I loved this one and the costumes. Ooh. I mean, gosh, the 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 Italian couture just like the most modern hip stuff everyone was wearing. It was quite uh, stunning to see on film and in this like bold color. You know what I mean? Even like the husband's pajamas were cool in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I should probably say that Julieta, um, she suspects that her husband is cheating on her. Her husband's a successful businessman who's always having these long days at the office. And the movie is like a series of, of, people giving her advice the the um the uh very very uh sexually active neighbor next door is giving her advice to get laid more she talks to um private eyes who who go and follow the husband around and she talks to gurus and psychics and and everything and they're all giving her this advice and uh juliet is the one she's she's kind of plain plain middle-aged woman and she's navigating through all this sometimes conflicting advice, but still trying to find her way of dealing with this situation. It was a little bit for me hard to follow, but it was really just, I was so into the visuals and the music and the, it, it was so pretty that I was, <laughs> that I was like, 
you know, fuck her husband you know she should just she should just marry this pretty lady next door <laughs> pretty lady with the Why water slide in the treehouse with the with the sex treehouse <laughs> come sex on <laughs> and the sex water slide too and right the, sex water the water slide. slide is right next to her freaking bed it's amazing <laughs> um i've never seen this movie either if you ever wanted to see an episode of the real housewives directed by frederico fellini this is <laughs> i mean it has everything. It is the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Exactly. They even go to like a new age guru. Um, there is a multi-level marketing thing going on. <laughs> they, they're having, they're getting drunk during the day. Like, uh, it's amazing. Can I, I, if I could be a little crude here for a second, this is, this movie has the hottest women I've ever seen in a movie. Like every woman in this movie looks amazing mm -hmm. and beautiful. All the guys look whatever, but just like the women are dressed <laughs> to the nines and they all have these strong personalities. Um, so cool. Uh, and surreal and fantasy dreamlike. It, 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 you know, when I saw um, eight and a half when I was 15 or 16 or whatever, of course it changed my life. You know, I'm that basic bitch that thinks Frederico Fellini is like awesome. Nights at the Cabiria blew me away when I saw it. And in that movie, Julieta Messina is like just so effervescent. And Lestrada too. Just like so blowing and bubbly up over the on the screen. But here she seems very subdued and kind of sad throughout the whole movie. I guess that's a choice and I guess that's what she's supposed to be. Now now is it though because you know this is a Fellini made this is a companion piece to eight and a half. Fellini, eight and a half. Uh, uh, Marcello Mastroianni is playing a philandering movie director who is juggling between his mistress, who's played by the treehouse lady, and uh, and Messina. Who uh, is Messina the wife in that? I forget who the wife is in eight and a half. I don't believe but, she is. No. Yeah, but this is the companion piece, and this is all probably pretty autobiographical so he makes this other film about the wife this long-suffering wife and so it's his view of that and that's that's like one of the problems the film is amazing and it's one of my favorite Fellini movies but it is a problem with it is that it's Fellini's view of yeah. her journey and yeah. you know and it's of course like one of the big pieces of advice that's is like oh you know be like be like the loose neighbor next door and be all sexy and have your you know like like that's just maybe not an option for her no that that aspect really hit me about halfway through when I, I started noticing the similarities with Eight and a Half, well, it wouldn't be a Fellini movie without some fucking clowns in a carnival, right? So that's in there and some fucking parades and shit. <laughs> um, but it hit me. I'm like, oh, it's him flipping Eight and a Half. Okay. I, I, my stoned mind got that. Sorry, I'm a little slow. It took me to halfway through the movie to get mm -hmm. that. But and then I, I started thinking about how his films are autobiographical. And, you know, at first I was looking at it in a modern lens like, fuck, I don't want to watch this fucking movie about rich, privileged Italians. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. he's making a movie about after he got successful and be and he started partying and probably didn't pay attention to his wife anymore. And it is very self-indulgent in that way. I mean, 
he's probably the most self-indulgent director, but it works with him, right? Yeah. It's a gift to his wife, but it's like the biker dude who gets a wrench for his wife. For yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But there's a bit of uh, fuck, Mary kill in this for, for Juliet. Uh, because it's like, you know, she should, she should fuck the really hot guy from the kind of Italian orgy, the impossibly attractive man. And then eyebrows on that guy. Eyeliner. He's so sexy. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. That yeah, guy is and, hot. And then the Spaniard guy who comes over and mixes the sangria, that's who she should marry. And then she should kill her husband so she could fucking marry the other two guys. Exactly. <laughs> Pop got it right. <laughs> um, this movie deals with all the things that Fellini movie deals with uh, religious oppression, sexual oppression. It, when was this made? In the mid-60s? 65. Oh? Okay. 65 full-color Fellini for me watching it for the first time was really fun and exciting um, to see him work in this way. It, it's it's cause it's not his old feeling. I don't know. It was really cool. But so I will say with all the, with all the dreamlike surreal stuff and the jaunty Nino Rota score and the whimsy and the clowns in the carnival, this motherfucker Fellini still manages to break my heart and make me cry with how he gets to, the 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 nitty gritty of what makes us sad when we're in relationships he really nails it and i really feel for his wife <laughs> and if this is autobiographical it is so sad and this is a very heartbreaking sad movie and as felina said it is fucking long i think we're almost at two and a half hours this movie it is and it could yeah. I, I could it could have got i would have been happy with 30 minutes cut out of it. <laughs> but no, not a frame is wasted. It is so beautiful to look at. And um, the Nina Rota score has everything you'd ever want in a Nina Rota score. Another favorite of mine were all of the quirky, like, characters who come in in the beginning. Those, like, those weird psychic people. I'm like, that's all of my friends. That's just every gay person in the 20-mile radius of where I am right oh, now. Oh, them. I mean... <laughs> Italy in the 60s is LA in the 2000 and 2020s. It was so yeah. it is so modern feeling this movie. Yeah, super. And, uh, yeah, really it, it's aged incredibly well this movie. And like I said, like they're it's they're they're going to like new age gurus. There's like people trying to scam her with stuff. It's mm -hmm. very modern. <laughs> you yes. Know what I mean? Yes. I was uh I I want to put in a plug here for BAM PFA Berkeley Art Museum Pacific Film Archive because last weekend they screened this and it's uh the Fellini Centennial so it's part of their Fellini 100 series that is going on through May 14th so even after we get this edited there should still be you know some screenings of Satyricon and Knights of Kiberia and Roma, which is the one I really want to see that's but I was lucky enough to see it there but I drove instead of taking bart so i wasn't stoned because bart you know like you you can always look into somebody smoking a big fat blunt in a bart car where the whole bart car becomes like you know one of those vaping balloons <laughs> so i didn't do that i drove so I, I the first time i watched it for this 
I wasn't high, but yeah, go to bampfa.org. They are, if you are in the San Francisco Bay area or the East Bay, especially you should, you should go to BAMPFA Berkeley art museum and in downtown Berkeley and see some of these movies. So, I mean, seeing it projected that well and on, on the big screen is really the way to go. If you can see any of the remaining Fellini films that way. I, I would love to lose myself in a, in a dark theater watching this movie for sure. But also I had a pretty damn good time just by myself on the couch. So what got you high off your ass, both of you? So I got, I had these pre-rolls. I, okay. I don't know the tea with Lowell Smokes. I don't know what they're, I don't know the vibe. I had a friend who worked for them and the, and then she was like, but she's also like not really my friend. She's just like an acquaintance. <laughs> she like worked for them and then she was like, uh, I hate them. They suck. But she's also kind of known to be like dramatic. So I don't know. I don't know the tea. Uh, <laughs> don't know the tea about Lowell Smokes. Uh, don't at me, Sammy, but I did buy them. Um <laughs> drama <laughs> i love it um but yeah so i had the happy hybrid this was a joint i thought it was perfect i felt super like light and airy um and watching this i was just like i felt like with the music my head was like ping-ponging back and forth i was like yes I, that happy hybrid from lowell not spawn um happy hybrid from Lowell and then this movie just made just made me feel like I was like sailing through like happy waters. <laughs> this movie is definitely enhanced by uh being high while watching it. So I highly recommend a high THC percentage uh strain if you can. The one I smoked was called Wedding Cake. It is 24% THC. Um, it is a very potent type of indica hybrid uh, strain made from crossing triangle kush and animal mints. And fun fact to our Canada listeners, this strain is called Pink Cookies in Canada, so you too can get it. As Felina said, I was smoking throughout because this movie is so fucking long that you do come down during it. So keep your high, maintain, and let Fellini's dreamlike self-indulgence wash over you. Juliet of the Spirits is streaming on HBO Max and the Criterion Channel. And to recap, our weed recommendations from earlier in the show, Felina and I both recommended you get completely blossomed for Valerie and her Week of Wonders and take a 100 milligram soft gel cap. Once again, Old Movies for Young Stoners really wants to hear from you. You can email us at oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail.com or follow us on Insta at Old Movies for Young Stoners. No numbers, just letters, all one word. We're on Twitter at OM number 4Y Stoners. That's OM4Y Stoners on Twitter. Drop us a line and feel free to suggest movies and weed for future episodes. And that about wraps up our fabulous fifth episode. Can you believe we've recorded five of these things now? You know, it's Woo. it seems like we've recorded 50. Um, and <laughs> I am so uh, sick of European dreamlike surrealism. I can't wait to get out of this fucking area. So, yeah, we're, we're going to lighten things up next week or in two weeks or two weeks plus uh, with some fucking monster movies. Doing some fucking monster movies next time. So we're lightening things up a bit with 20 million miles to Earth, a 1950s Ray Harryhausen movie where a rampaging monster from Venus destroys Rome and 
by Felina's request, the batshit bizarro kaiju craziness of All Monsters Attack. That's all right here on Old Movies for Young Stoner. Stoner.